Welcome to episode eight of the Independent Writers Podcast. We hope you enjoy our featured writers. As a reminder, there will be links to each writer's website and our show notes, as well as on our social media pages. Keep your submissions coming for future episodes and encourage your friends, family, and followers to listen, review, and subscribe. Let's get started. Watermelon Roundup Run by Judge Burden. Hey man, wake up. Dude, we've got a problem, Santiago. God damn it, hear me? There's border patrol up ahead and they're searching every fucking car. His voice elevating to a higher pitch with each sentence. My overexcited companion is Andy, an acquaintance I met in Tucson. He's a nickel bag, quarter ounce, small time dealer that for some reason enjoys people being familiar with his activity. It gives him a sense of self-worth for others to know he's a dealer. Myself, I always made it clear and understood that I was not a dealer. Neither did I sell or wish to purchase any type of drug, narcotic, controlled substance in any form. It was a rare instance when I took part in consuming such substances in public. Sure, some had their suspicions, but they never voiced them to me. That was just the way I liked it. Always keep them guessing. Now Andy, he'd been asking, begging, nagging, being a downright pain in the ass to accompany me on the run. If it wasn't for my ex-wife and her mouth of a thousand truths, he would never have known my vocation. However, when she doesn't get her way, and according to her, is never, every bit of information that can be in any way harmful to me, she spills. It doesn't matter where or in from whom. She reveals privileged and damaging information. In one case, Andy happened to be present during one of her ranting testimonials. Since then, Andy has been a fucking pest. So I allowed him to join me on this mission to Culiacan, Mexico, to pick up 200 pounds of marijuana, then head back across the border, loaded down. I don't like these border runs, but every once in a while, you get chosen, asked, told by El Jefe make this run as a favor. It does pay very well, and usually a border guard has been taken care of ahead of time, guaranteeing safe passage across the border. You're on your own after that. We're crossing at Naco, about 11 miles or so south of Bisbee, Arizona. It's a small border station manned by only three or four guards, and is less crowded than the Nogales or Douglas crossings. I'm familiar with most of the border patrol officers at the station, and have been entering the United States through here for 10 years. I'm not going to inform Andy of any of this information. Thought I would just let him sweat it out. We're driving a Ford F-250 pickup with reinforced suspension so the ass end wouldn't be dragging from the weight of the load. There's a false bed that has every available inch packed with kilos. Besides marijuana, we're carrying close to 150 watermelons. It's a lot of work to unload each individual watermelon to search beneath them. It's approximately 103 degrees, and the sun is brutally scorching this countryside with intense heat. Can't think of anyone that would want the task of emptying the bed in this heat. We had to get permit prior to leaving Sinaloa, Culiacan, declaring the melons as inspected produce free of bug infestation and grown without any harmful chemical particulates. Arizona has strict laws concerning the importing of produce into the state. I slide over and switch places with obnoxious Andy and slip in behind the wheel. 
There were five or six cars in the back of the line to be inspected. What are we going to do, man? Do we skip out and run? He asks. No, fuckstick. First, calm down. You're so nervous your shaking is making the truck rock. Now have your visa, passport, and the Arizona driver's license ready. Don't want to be rummaging around for that shit in the border in front of all the guards, I say. I have those items, the truck registration, insurance card, and produce documents safely packed in one envelope and ready for inspection. I'm a professional, after all. Now they're going to ask you your citizenship. Answer United States. Don't say American. Why not? I'm an American, he argues. And so are Canadians, Mexicans, Hondurans, Colombians, and a few million more people from any country in North, Central, or South America. Do you get it, dumb shit? Just do what I say and don't give me any bullshit, okay? I lecture. Don't have them any documents unless they ask for them. Then comply with their request. You got it? For Christ's sake, please stop shaking and looking around. You're acting all squirrely and drawing attention to yourself, looking suspicious. Stop it, I order. I turn off the air conditioning and roll down the window. Then instruct him to do the same. He's sweating like someone that has just ran a marathon, soaked in sweat, his shirt wet with perspiration. The heat instantly takes over the inside of the cab and punches me with its intense temperature. How are you so calm, man? You aren't even nervous or worried at all, he inquires. Of course I am. But I figure the worst thing that can happen is going to prison. And there's three meals a day, a bed, television, arts and crafts, and plenty of guys for establishing new friendships. Shit, sounds so good I just might turn us in. I'm due for a vacation. I joke. Don't fuck around. We're going to be okay, right? He whimpers. Only if you straighten up your ass, get your act together, and find some fucking balls, I preach. We pull into the receiving area, and a border patrol officer walks up to the window. An Arizona highway patrolman sits in his cruiser nearby, notices me, and gives me a wave. I recognize the officer. It's Carl Jenkins from Bisbee. I don't wave back as not to raise any attention from others as to our familiar relationship. But what do you know? Look who decided to honor us with his presence. Are you lost, Santiago? Or do you have some legitimate reason to show up in these parts, the officer asks. I've known Officer Rick Larson since he started as a cop back in Tucson eight years ago. He's always been on the take since day one, shaking down drivers for money to let them go from a traffic citation that in most cases they didn't deserve in the first place. Well, Officer Larson, figured you were missing my company, so I thought I'd stop by and see how you were getting along, I respond. What you got back there? Watermelons, huh? Sure do enjoy watermelon. So do my kids, he adds. Just trying to make a little extra pocket money. Gonna sell these at the swap meet this weekend, I mention. Uh-huh. I certainly imagine that's so, Rick says with a sarcastic grin. Why don't you grab a couple for your family and the other officers, as well as the state cop, as my gift for Mexico? Hey, did you get your birthday present from my cousin in Sinaloa, I say? Yes. I received the gift, quite generous. The watermelon is a nice offering. I'll surely take you up on your offer and grab a few. And your nervous passenger there, looking like a deer in headlights? Is he your partner in the watermelon roundup? Rick asks. Yeah, that's Andy. He's worried the sun is baking the melons and will cause them to get overripe and ruin the flavor, I say. I'm sure that's the reason, Officer Rick says. Be careful up ahead. There's a speed trap on Highway 80, just before Tombstone. Have a safe trip he says, as he waves us through. Thank you, officer, I yell out after they have grabbed about eight watermelons. You son of a bitch, 
You knew all along it was arranged ahead of time, that the cop was paid off. You let me freak out, Andy says. First of all, my mother is not a bitch. She's a very nice lady. Secondly, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Who paid what to whom? Where? When? What? Man, you think this is like some TV show. You forget anything concerning our watermelon run to Mexico? These people don't fuck around, Annie. They'll kill your dog, cat, children, wife, brothers, and sisters, your whole fucking family. They leave you alive until last to live with the guilt and the grief of having been the cause of their deaths. Then when you least expect it, boom, like lightning, you are dead, I tell Andy. There's over 200 pounds, 95 kilos of some high-grade Mexican weed in the false bed in the truck. The pickup has dual gas tanks, and I'm sure one of them is packed with pot as well as a spare tire. No vacant area or empty cavity has been left unpacked with contraband. Now a rookie working the run would expect payment for only the original 95 kilos. The seasoned veteran knows the trucos that these traficantes employ. There's probably an extra 35 to 50 kilos hidden away that they assume you're not aware of and will not have to pay you for. That is somewhere around another 100 pounds, give or take. When I am hired on for such an undertaking such as this, I always prefer to get compensated per package instead of entire load. It always works in the wheelman's favor to request that type of compensation. Then you can't get shorted. Otherwise, they may throw some cocaine in with the load, maybe some speed, ice, crack, or any variety of prescription drugs. Some knockoff watches, clothing, shoes, purses, all types of extra shit that you're transporting basically for free. I name my terms in the contract, and because of my sterling reputation, seldom is there any protest. They originally offered me the run at $30 per pound. Over-the-border runs are much more risky. There are so many factors that could come into play and contribute to a tragic outcome. Hamas accept the first offer. If you've been employed by the organization for a reasonable length of time or have a strong, righteous relationship. My price was $50 per pound, or a discount at $100 per kilo, which El Jefe readily accepted, and we drank a shot of mezcal to the agreement. Roughly calculated, it comes out to around $15,000 and all the watermelon I could consume. Most of the produce would be donated to the Tucson Community Food Bank and Salvation Army. Hey, Santi, I don't need to get paid for coming along with you. And as I told you before the trip, I won't say anything to anybody. I promise, Andy says. I don't remember offering any kind of payment. Tell you what, I'll throw a couple pounds your way as a gift for your company and toward the hope that I'll never have to spend this much time with you again, ever you drive me out of my fucking mind. You're like a child with all your questions and stupid comments. Man, you need to get control of your mouth, I tell him. Sorry, don't mean anything by it, he says. Maybe we could stop in Tombstone for something to eat and a couple of beers. What do you think, Andy suggests. Maybe I should just drop your ass off in Tucson and be done with you. We're an hour and a half from Tucson, 70 miles or so, and you want to stop for food and beer? Yeah, best keep selling nickel bags. No, I'm not going to stop at lunch, and especially not for beer. I'm working, understand? We need gas soon. When we stop to refuel, you can grab something at the gas station. No fucking beer, I yell. Jesus Christ, you don't have to holler, he whimpers. Don't use the name of other people's deity in vain. And how many times have I said no drinking or drugs while on the clock, I tell him. The clock is always running. It sucks, he yells. I pretend to slap him in anger, but end up laughing. He starts yucking it up as well. We reach Tucson, and I drop him off at First and Prince near his house. I'm not taking him to the drop house with me. The Mexicans would cut off my balls and use them in albondigas soup. I was going to have to backtrack to Pueblo Gardens, 36 and Campbell. 
thought it would be better not to drive immediately to the stash house, just in case I had been tailed. And it also kept Andy from putting together clues as to the destination of the load. Hey Andy, grab a couple watermelons for your girlfriend and your kids, I offer. I'll give you a call tomorrow concerning your compensation for what we talked about, okay? Yeah, but what about the pot you said you would lay on me, he asks. I will call you tomorrow, I repeat. Bye, man, he calls out with a watermelon under each arm. I notice all his identification and others sitting on the dash. I shake my head in disbelief and throw it into the glove box. He got busted three days later with the kilo I gave him, selling a half pound to an undercover cop. He kept his mouth shut and only spent eight months in Pima County Jail for the offense. Who couldn't see that coming? On an unseasonably cold July morning in Chicago, equivalent to Dickens' David Copperfield, Judge Burden was born on a Friday. His mother theorized it was so he would be in time for weekend festivities. His interest in the predominance of the written word inspired his study of English literature. He attended universities in the United States, London, and Paris, dedicating his life scholarship to the study of Victorian novels and authors. His writing career to date has been devoted primarily to poetry and songwriting. He is presently engaged in finishing his book, Imitation of Myself, a nonfiction story encompassing his experiences as a drug runner for a Mexican cartel. Judge celebrated his 65th birthday last July and lives modestly in Costa Rica. Judge Burden's work was also featured on episode four of our podcast. Be sure to check that out as well. Fondness for disappearances won't necessarily stop the chase, will it? There's something I've discovered about myself. I like disappearance. Even if I am far away, alone, I like disappearing. But regardless of how far I go, I'm not alone. There is a trail that is ambling in the air around me. A trail that lingers me in thought of you. A wildfire in my heart. And the beauty of this wildfire is that it doesn't stop chasing you even if you decide to run to the other end of the world. And I still think about it whenever I see droplets outside my bedside window. There was that day, I remember, it was pouring since morning, making you a little irritated. I, on the other hand, was happy, just happy. I didn't need to answer what made me happy, and you never asked. There were these pouring droplets outside my window, but I was busy glaring at my sunshine. You were complaining about the world, but I had a rainbow above mine. Nandini Sharma resides on the writer's planet humming to old Bollywood classics and sipping a hot cup of cocoa. She is a 20-something, fairly average girl next door. You'd probably think that entering through the window would provide a substantial amount of fun, rather than simply walking through the front door. Her writings are purely fiction, and she believes every piece of fiction has something more than fiction in it. She is supremely lousy when it comes to sharing things, and writing just happened. She believes we're all broken, everybody is dealing with something or other impactful enough in its own way. 
so it's necessary to be a little messed up before you gather yourself and start picking up the pieces. Broken can't be mended, but who said broken can't be beautiful? You can follow Nandini Sharma on Instagram at Mirage of Hereth or at her blog, fictionalfireworks.com, also on Facebook at Fictional Fireworks. Remember to check the show notes and our blog for links to our writers' websites and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This has been the Independent Writers Podcast. Thank you for listening. Keep writing, keep sharing, keep growing.